Carlson. And I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Well, Barry, Big 12 play is upon us. How are you feeling about conference play getting started? Well, I'm ready for it because that's apparently the only way we can get any ball teams to play somebody. Um, doesn't mean you won't lose along the way. We'll get to that in a minute. But conference play generally means better games, and that's what I'm all about. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see some, some good competition. Yeah, but, but before, we, before we get – go ahead, Barry. I was going to say, before we get to what's coming up, let's look at what we just left behind. I saw a, uh, a runaway – and guess what? So did you. I did. We didn't expect, we didn't expect it uh, in Stillwater, but uh, but OSU uh, was whacked around by South Alabama, the pride of the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah, and you wrote beforehand that, you know, the Sun Belt was hunting kind of its next big uh, win, and there it was. It was stunning, Barry, because of the domination by South Alabama. Honestly, if I wasn't getting paid to watch that drivel, I don't think I would have watched the second half, but I did, and it got a little better for the Cowboys, but not a ton. Um, you know, by the time they scored, I, wor- I was a little bit worried about Bullet running out there and doing her lap. I was, uh, you know, her muscles warmed up. She'd been standing back there for a long, long time. So we got a lot to talk about with the Cowboys, Barry. Let's start with this. What is your biggest concern uh, about the Cowboys after what we saw on Saturday? Well, my biggest concern is that South Alabama, hey, I said South South, 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 Alabama had better ball players than Oklahoma State. Uh, we can get into the coaching. We can get into the strategy. We can get into all that. But South Alabama just had better players and more good players. They were pushing the Cowboys around in the interior. They had more playmakers, or at least they showed they certainly made more plays, better quarterbacking, better everything. How did this happen? This is a, this is a program that was on the cusp of the college football playoff just uh, 21 months ago. There's a program that was in the top 10 11 months ago, and now they're getting outclassed by a lower-level opponent. Now, props to the Sun Belt. You mentioned I wrote about them. Props to South Alabama. These are both of these entities, South Alabama and the Sun Belt, are up and coming. They're rising fast. But they should not have a better roster than a, than a uh, Big 12 program that's been the second-best in the conference over the last dozen years. Yeah. Do you think it says more about South Alabama or about Oklahoma State, Barry? Because I was looking a little bit more at South Alabama's roster, and they've got a decent amount of guys that were power five transfers. We've 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 seen the the you know the impact of the transfer portal. Obviously Oklahoma State lost a bunch, but I mean, I agree. I thought that was I thought that was stunning that you had such a uh, physical discrepancy, um, you know, just some of the things that that were obvious in that game, uh, you know, speed, guys from South Alabama running away from Oklahoma State guys. That was unexpected, Barry. Yeah, it's it's bewildering. Uh, Cowboys lost a number of players, uh, a massive amount of players in the, uh, in the portal. Good players, eight starters, eight not necessarily difference makers, but maybe. And it's clear they haven't replenished that. It shows up a quarterback, of course, but this this problem goes far beyond the quarterbacking. So um, I don't know. It's it, it it rests at the feet of Mike Gundy. He's clearly uh, not maintained the roster the way that he's uh, commissioned to. He's got to get it fixed fast, 
I mean, there's nothing to do about this season. I mean, this is a this is a uh, squad that really is going to fall back on the fact that a good chunk of the Big 12 looks somewhat mediocre this year. So it's not like Cowboys have to be, you know, assigned to a three and nine season. But you know, uh, a six and six bowl eligibility—that's completely in question. Absolutely. And I just don't know uh, if if anything can be done about this season. Well, I don't, and I, I'm curious if this is, is this a, a kick in the teeth that wakes up the Cowboys and some of the things that they can fix, they fix because of what happened on Saturday? Um, you know, that was a team, Barry, to me that looked flat, that looked, um, I don't know, uninterested is not the right word, but I just didn't see a lot of pop and a lot of spark. So, you know, we're talking about the difference of, you know, the uh, the talent level, but if you're not going to play hard, if you're not going to, you know, really get after it, that becomes a problem too. So, um, you know, I guess the question when we're talking about all these things, talent discrepancies, um, you know, where Oklahoma State finishes this year in the Big 12, obviously, you know, yes, do they get bowl eligible? That becomes a question mark. But I think that now the thing that starts to come to mind for me, Barry, is after a seven and six year, uh, a season ago, are we talking about something that is, you know, a blip and we'll look back and, and see, you know, this is just a little downturn or is this maybe a permanent, you know, I don't want to say cratering, but something that's reverting back to what Oklahoma State football was before Mike Gundy got things going like this. Yeah. Now, the thing you worry about is this. Um, this is a new age, the portal, NIL, all those things. We know all the ramifications of that. We, we know all of the struggles that uh, a school like Oklahoma State is perceived to have in this new era um, doesn't have to doesn't have to mean that the Cowboys can't compete or can't can't win big, but it is a little bit alarming that when when the new age hits full throttle last year or two, all of a sudden that's when the Cowboys start declining. Uh, so the question is, can Mike Gundy get it reversed? Does he have the tools? Does he have the initiative? Does he have the know-how to turn the Cowboys around and say, hey, here's how you take advantage of this new age where teams and programs can flip immediately? We've seen it over and over and over. Um, Colorado, the extreme example, but there are others of, of programs that sort of TCU a year ago, teams that sort of uh, embraced the portal, embraced the new culture of, uh, of instant makeover. And I think uh, the Cowboys – Probably going to have to do that if they want to get back because that's just the way it sort of goes. People plugging holes with with transfers. The idea of, of developmental programs, which Oklahoma State has always been under Mike Gundy, is uh, is at least in flux and perhaps in jeopardy in the new age. So that's where we're at, and we're going to have to see how Mike Gundy uh, how he responds. Now I will say this about Mike Gundy Barry, and I think I think sometimes people miss the the way that he has evolved uh, as a, as a head coach. You know, some people will point to things that he you know keeps pretty consistent, and I get that. But if you look at you know some of the the things that he's been ways that he's been innovative over the years, you know whether you go back and look at you know, uh, those massive poster boards that teams use on the sidelines. I mean, Oklahoma State did that first. So, like, he's always sort of done things that maybe have gone a little bit unnoticed in the innovation side of things. So I'm not saying he can't innovate and make this work, but 
he's, you know, he's at nearly into uh, decade number three as the Oklahoma State head coach. Is he willing to make such a seismic shift? I don't know. But if, you know, if this is what is going to happen with Oklahoma State football, it's got to be troubling to him and to everybody else who uh, who loves the Cowboys. So I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it remains to be seen just uh, just how much change will come under Mike Gundy as it relates to to the transfer portal, the NIL and that sort of thing. So um, but one thing that he does have an impact on, Barry, is quarterbacks. We've seen obviously this be a huge topic of discussion. I don't know how much it is now after the loss the other night, because it seems like there are bigger fish to fry. But three quarterbacks played again. You're Mike Gundy, Barry. Big 12 play is starting. What do you do about quarterbacks? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I, I tend to think we took, uh, we let the quarterback rotation, this novel concept of, of platooning three guys, I tend to think we let that take our eye off the ball of what this team is really all about and how ineffective it has been. So, uh, you know, more discussion about the quarterbacks. I don't have any great suggestions. I don't see one that, that trips my trigger. Uh, the three-man weave hasn't really bothered me as long as you're trying to find somebody. I guess what you're saying is if you don't find somebody, don't you have to pick somebody? And I guess that's true. The question I have is this. What do they think about Zane Flores? That's the freshman from Nebraska. Uh, has high reviews. Garrett Rangel did too. We heard great things about Alan Bowman in the in the spring. But if they think Zane Flores is the future – uh, I might make a switch there. Now, it's completely dependent on where he's at and what they think of him. I, I guess what I'm saying is this team does not look capable of making any kind of serious run. I think maybe building for the future is, is the way to go. And the best way to do that is get your quarterback of the future some playing time. If that's Zane Flores, do it. If that's Gunnar Gundy, do it. If that's Garrett Rangel, do it. Uh, if that's Alan Bowman, uh, we're all in trouble. So I guess what I'm saying is anybody but Bowman. Well, I think they got to pick somebody. And I don't I don't know if I know. I, I, I know I don't know who it is. I mean, I, I, I think Gunnar Gundy's probably played the best of the three that we've seen. So maybe it's him. But I think they got to pick somebody, Barry. This is a team that's averaging just over 20 points a game in non-conference play. And we know how poor their non-conference schedule was. I mean, averaging only 20 points against those three teams, that's that's danger, Will Robinson. That's that's serious trouble for Oklahoma State. And I know that the quarterbacks haven't been great, but they've got some really good skill players, Barry. They've got Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon in the backfield. They've got Dijon Stribling, uh, Brendan Presley uh, in that wide receiver group. I don't know that we're talking about talent, the likes of which they've had before at those positions, but those guys are still good. I think they can. I think they can make plays. I think they can do things. I think you got to pick a quarterback, get a guy in there who's taken the first team reps in practice, who who knows he's the guy, who's who's you know having that mentality of leading. The guys around him know he's the guy. I think they got to pick somebody. And again, I, you know what you say may be true. Maybe you maybe you point it towards the future. I'm okay with that. But I think they've got to name a quarterback, and I think they need to do it this week in fact if they haven't done it already they need to do it today all right we got to talk about one thing okay quit trying to pawn us off that you're so such a veteran journalist that you remember will robinson 
from Lost in Space. There's no chance you remember Will Robinson from Lost in Space. I barely remember Will Robinson from Lost in Space. So, uh, But it's a great line. It's a great line. It is a great line. It was not a great show. I actually watched it about a year ago. I came across one. I said, I'm going to watch a Lost in Space. And it was fairly rudimentary. It was something <laughs> below uh, community theater, I would say. So, um, uh, but lost in space is a nice term for uh, for where Oklahoma State football is right now. So, yeah. Um, and you know, and here's the, here's I think here's your point about quarterbacking. Hey, what can it hurt? This is not this is not working. Uh, the the three man rotation has not produced good offense, and it's not produced a quarterback. Try something different. Exactly. All right. And uh, if the Cowboys are lost in space, bad news because they got to hit the road to Ames, Iowa this week, Barry, heading to Iowa State, a tough place for Oklahoma State to play historically. So Cyclones, they've been hit hard by something not related to uh, the, the maladies of Oklahoma State, a betting scandal that has taken out several players at Iowa State. Iowa State beat Northern Iowa in non-conference, but then lost close games to Iowa and Yeesh, they lost to Ohio, Barry. Oh, my goodness. What kind of team is OSU preparing to face in Ames this weekend? Uh, a very similar team to what they're facing in terms of where uh, of, of uh, future and uh, hope. Iowa State's one and two and is not very good. Uh, the Cyclones did play Iowa tough. I will give them that. It is a 2013 game. They got the ball late and had a chance to drive. They didn't do it, but they haven't, haven't given up the ghost. They lost to Ohio, was it 10-7, I think. So this is a case of Cyclones are still playing really good defense. So this is going to be a close game. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a low-scoring game because neither team is really capable of putting up a serious number of points. So close games are always good games, but – uh, this is a game the Cowboys need to win. If you remember down the stretch of last season, Cowboys had those back-to-back blowout losses to the Kansas schools, break up break up the Jayhawk, the Sunflower State. But uh, the rest of the way, Cowboys had four games against teams about the same as they were. Now they let Bedlam sort of get away from them. But the other three were down to the wire games, and they won one of them. And this is one they won. If you remember Spencer Sanders comes off the bench and, Rescues the Cowboys in the fourth quarter. But this is the kind of game they're going to have to win if they wanted to avert a disastrous season. This is a team that's just not very good. Yeah. So yep. they got to find a way to go up there and win. It's not easy to win, but they got to find a way to do it or they're looking at a bad year. Hey, uh, since you mentioned low scoring, give us your score prediction before uh, we close out our OSU oh, chat. You know what? There's no chance I'm picking anybody to reach 20. Um, I'm going to go with OSU just um, – for no good reason, then I think Iowa State's, you know, in trouble. I'll say 16-13 Cowboys. Yeah, I was uh, I was sort of in the 17-14, 17-10 kind of range. I'll, I'll go I'll I'll go 17-17-14. Uh, That'll be my score. I've got Oklahoma State winning again. I I I don't have a real good reason for picking the Cowboys after maybe the, maybe it's just because after what we saw on Saturday. You got to think they want to bounce back. Now I know I know Iowa State lost to Ohio. I know they're coming off a uh, a group of five loss as well, but man, Oklahoma State—that that, was—that was embarrassing, Barry. They that that to lose 
that badly. It's one thing to lose your group of five team. It happens. It happens. We've seen it happen to a lot of different teams. A lot of, you know, blue bloods have lost to, to teams of lower divisions or, you know, lower ranking. But man, that was just, that, that game was over at halftime, it felt like. So yeah, I, I think Oklahoma State has got to rally. Uh, Iowa State is a team that I think they can beat, they should beat, and I'm going to predict they will beat. So, Barry, time to jump to OU? Yeah, the Sooners play at Cincinnati, 11 a.m. Saturday, and it's a historic day for the Bearcats, their first conference game in the Big 12, and everyone was excited, uh, so excited that Fox Big Noon kickoff is setting up shop at Cincinnati. Uh, they decided to go cold turkey from Deion Sanders, and uh, <laughs> I got I got a little bit of bad news for Fox. Uh, as much as I love Cincinnati, as much as I like to watch the Sooners play, this is not going to be the Deion show. So uh, you know, Fox is headed for some uh, some culture shock, and then part of this is Cincinnati blew a game at home against Miami, Ohio. Now this is a it's a group of five team, a mid-American team. Now, it's a little bit different because Cincinnati and Miami are like our rivals. They've uh, been playing since 1889. They're about 40 miles apart. It's a serious, serious uh, rivalry. So strange things can happen. But Cincinnati had this game won. They gave it up. Miami blocks a field goal at the buzzer to go to overtime. Cincinnati can't punch it in from close. So uh, a lot of rivalry. In this game, a lot of excitement after Cincinnati beat Pittsburgh uh, the previous week. But uh, seems like a little bit of false optimism. What do you make of the Bearcats? Well, I think everybody expected Cincinnati to take a step back after losing Luke Fickle. Um, you know, they're revered and loved and rightfully so uh, loved head coach. He really had elevated Cincinnati to, to places that they hadn't been football wise. So I, I know I was expecting a bit of a step back now. Um, you know, it would have been great if they'd have come in here, not only having uh, beat Pitt, but uh, obviously, you know, finish that non-conference schedule without a blemish. But I do, I, I don't, I don't think Cincinnati's probably going to finish in the top half of the conference, but, you know, I do think winning, winning against Pitt is no small thing, Barry. I mean, I think, uh, I think that was a nice, uh, a nice uh, positive for, for Cincinnati, and clearly people are going to be fired up. Bear, you know this. It's going to be crazy town in Cincinnati on Saturday. So I think if the Bearcats can, you know, sort of ride the on-field momentum of last week and then get a boost from, you know, what what's happening around them, I mean, they're going to have a lot of emotion at least headed their way. So I don't know if I feel like they're a ton better than I thought they might be, maybe a little better than I thought they might be, but – they're definitely going to have the advantage on the emotional side of things on Saturday. Yeah. Now Nippert stadium, one of the oldest stadiums in America. Some people call it uh, the Wrigley field of college football. Uh, in recent years, it's become a, a snake pit. It's small, about 39,000. It's right in the middle of campus. And I don't mean, I mean, literally there are buildings 50 feet from the football stadium. So it's just, it's a really uh, condensed environment. And it will be crazy. Uh, Cincinnati was hoping for a night game. They got, you know, instead they're getting big noon. But uh, it's going to be a, a, a difficult environment for the Sooners. Probably not a difficult opponent. So we'll see if the Sooners can overcome the environment. You know, OU 3-0 has been impressive. 
2022, they were 3-0, been impressive, and then the wheels fell off. So uh, are there any reasons to think that things are going to be – what are the reasons to think that things are going to be different this year? This is, you know, a year ago, Oklahoma's number six in the nation. They're a playoff contender, and then they finish out the year uh, 3-7. and seven. So what do you think? How's this going to be different, Jacko? Well, I do think uh, I do think OU is better this year, but I also think I want to see more proof after a year ago. You know, I think there was a sense of, you know, optimism and what we saw in the non-conference, and it just it didn't bear out. I mean, obviously, I I think this Cincinnati game is a challenge because of all the things that we were just talking about. You know, first Big Twelve game for Cincinnati. Um, a chance to host one of those blue blood brand programs that everybody knows. So it's definitely going to be a, uh, a game that Cincinnati people are fired up for. So Oklahoma is going to be challenged that way. But I think as far as on field, the challenge becomes, you know, much bigger moving forward. Not, not next week they get Iowa state, but then obviously that Texas game. And we really start to get a better gauge of where Oklahoma is, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, are they really, truly improved? Um, I have to think that, yes, the answer is that they are. Barry, I mean, you saw you were in Tulsa on Saturday, so you saw it um, in person. But I do think we've seen a defense that, you know, they're not missing as many tackles as they were a year ago. Um, an offense that seems to have more weaponry. Uh, Dylan Gabriel looks better to me. I, I think he's, uh, you know, I, he's never going to be, Baker Mayfield, he's never going to be Kyler Murray. He's not that quarterback, but he is a good quarterback. And I think he's improved over what he was a year ago. So I think an offense that's better, a defense that's better, you know, so I, I guess I'm on the, I guess I'm on the belief that, you know, it's not the same song as a year ago. It is a different song. How different remains to be seen, but I think, I think this is an improved squad, Barry. Did you, what'd you feel like after watching Tulsa? I think OU's defense is better. I'm not ready to to sign it in blood oath. Um, offense is fine. I you know I think Gable's a really good quarterback. Least of their problems, offensive line is not necessarily OU standards from the beaten bow golden era. But uh, I don't think they have any home run hitters or, or all Americans in the skill positions. But that's okay. They got plenty of playmakers. Offense is not their problem. Can they stop somebody? Stopped Tulsa pretty good. They've given uh, Oklahoma's given up 28 points in three games. Uh, they haven't been playing, you know, the uh, the elite of college football. They're not going to play the elite of college football this week. They're not going to play the elite of college football the week after. So uh, we're going to have to wait till Texas. But they do look better, as you mentioned. Fewer missed tackles. They were catching intercept. Tulsa threw the ball to them, but people were throwing the ball to them last year and they dropped it. So five interceptions is a good sign. So I think the defense is better, but I, I think we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, Cincinnati has a very mobile quarterback, Emory Jones. We actually saw him a year ago. He played uh, for Arizona State against uh, the Cowboys in Stillwater. So uh, he can be a troublesome quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. No reason why OU shouldn't uh, hold him down and um, and beat Cincinnati in controlling fashion. But you go into an environment like this, and just about any kind of a victory you'll take. What you got? Any, what, what, what's your score, Jacko? What do you think? 
I think OU wins. I'm going to go uh, 38. Uh, let's go 38-24. I think uh, Cincinnati is going to score some points on them. But, uh, I mean, I think this is still a game that Oklahoma controls. I don't feel like this is a comeback type of, of game. Now, it would have been interesting. You mentioned the night game scenario, Barry. would have been interesting to see what this what this game would have played out like if it had been at night, you know, if it had been Cincinnati people tailgating big noon, you know, all the, all the, the, the revelry and the fanfare get in there. Would it have been an even crazier environment? You know, the team's having to sit around all day. We'll never know. But I think that, I think, oh, you got a, a little favor with this being a day game. Cause if it's at night, Barry, it could have just been totally crazy. Yeah. And um, the Sooners, uh, let's see, they not going to get one next week, uh, home next week. So this will be the best road test they have before Texas. Tulsa was about a half, you know, half and half type situation. So um, but do not underestimate, though, the environment, even in the daytime. Cincinnati has uh, lost very few home games in the last four years. They're very they, – they, they've really built themselves up a nice, nice environment, a really rabid environment, and I think – They'll be excited even with the loss to Miami, Ohio. I'm picking the Sooners 31-21. I think it'll be a close game. The uh, the Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley glory days uh, didn't always go real smooth on the road. It's not supposed to go smooth on the road. I think this will be a tight fit. Really hey, do. before we go, let's uh, let's talk SEC real quick, Barry, because uh, obviously we saw Alabama struggle again. Georgia didn't exactly roll in, in their game at South Carolina. Tennessee lost to Florida. They got trucked by Utah earlier this season, so I don't know if people expected uh, Florida to win that game. So with uh, with OU's move, obviously we're keeping an eye on the SEC, but, I mean, now that these SEC teams are about ready to play each other, is there a chance we lose sight of what the SEC is? I mean, is, is the SEC down? It, it looks like it has to be, Barry. Clearly the SEC is down. There are only – you know, there, there are 14 SEC schools right now, and five, only five are unbeaten. And many of those teams have not played, you know, a difficult schedule. So uh, Alabama looks vulnerable. Uh, Tennessee looks like it's falling back to earth. LSU was whacked by, by Florida State. Georgia struggled early against South Carolina, ended up winning by 10. Uh, I do think the SEC is down now. It appears that everybody's down except the Pac-12. I mean, it looks like you know if the Pac-12 rises, that means it's got a, it's got somebody's got to fall, and it looks like the Pac-12 has risen so far that everybody's fallen. But I do think uh, we're at a crossroads with the SEC, uh, the the portal and the NIL. You know, the the Weisenheimers among us would would say, hey, the field when everybody starts paying the players, the field is leveled. Uh, SEC's been doing it for a long time, so. Uh, we'll see if uh, if this continues, but clearly the SEC's always goal of two playoff teams is in serious jeopardy. It's looking like maybe Georgia, uh, unless LSU and or Alabama can run the table, including beating Georgia, there's not going to be two SEC teams in the playoff, and I don't see Alabama running the table, perhaps even before Georgia. So the league is down. Uh, to their credit, Missouri knocked off Kansas State in Columbia. So that's their best win, I think, of the non-conference so far is beating the Wildcats. But uh, keep an eye on this. It could potentially be good news for the Sooners. 
yeah. going into the SEC that maybe the SEC, maybe the the elements, the the new world order of college football is bringing bringing the SEC down uh, a level or two. Well, if we're going to talk about the SEC coming down, we surely have to mention the Big Twelve. Ugh, Barry, they. Uh, it's not looking good right now for the Big 12. Cannot be good for business. Obviously, you know, media contracts have already been signed and all that. But golly, there's the Big 12. I mean, obviously, OU and Texas are right now the, the two ranked teams in the conference. Nobody else ranked out of the conference. It's kind of hard to believe what we're seeing out of the Big 12 right now. Maybe maybe we see somebody emerge, but, you know, K-State, like you said, losing. TCU loses to Colorado, which Colorado's beating everybody right now. It just feels like there's, you know, it's it's kind of reverted back to old times, Barry, where Texas and OU are at the top and everybody else is scratching and clawing to try to keep up. It, it It's not re- – to me, it's not the Big 12 season so far that I thought it was going to be. No, we thought Kansas State would be really good, and the loss at Missouri was disappointing. Sort of stepping into that void was Brigham Young. Uh, the Cougars go to the uh, go to the Ozarks and and beat Arkansas in a thrilling game, thirty eight thirty one. And Brigham Young hadn't shown much before that, but they certainly showed a lot on Saturday night in Fayetteville. Um, who is going to emerge to challenge the the Longhorns and maybe the Sooners? Um, is it a BYU? Is it a Kansas? Will TCU and K State rally? Uh, can Texas Tech rally? You know, we're pretty sure OSU can't rally. We've watched them play. But uh, what is what is Central Florida? I think the Big 12 also has five unbeatens, same as the Big 12. I mean, so, same as the SEC. You're looking at Texas, Oklahoma, UCF, Kansas, and Brigham Young. So lots of people getting knocked off. I tend to think a couple of good teams will emerge. I don't know if it'll be by EYU. I don't know if it'll be UCF. For all I know, it could be Kansas. I mean, I'm a Lance Leopold uh, endorser. So uh, who knows? It's looking like a good, good uh, landscape for the Sooners and Longhorns. They play in a couple of weeks in Dallas. They may be returning to the Metroplex in December uh, to play again. So, um, yeah, not a great start for the Big 12. It's too bad, but uh, um, I think every conference except the Pac-12 is bemoaning where it's at. Uh, although the ACC has won a bunch of big games. I will say that. Their rec- overall record, not great, but they've won the important games. Big 12 has not. Uh, that needs to change in the future. Hey, that's about all the time we've got this week. Remember, Sooners play at Cincinnati for an 11 a.m. Oklahoma time kickoff. And the Cowboys play at Iowa State at 3 p.m. We'll be all over those games for sellout crowd where you can find all our content, including shows like this on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And, of course, you can find us at selloutcrowd.com. 